Hey guys, welcome again to the Happy Haven Podcast. I know it's been a little while, work got busy, but we are back and raring to go. And with me today is... Eric Walker, the original mace. From... Caravan of Courage, the Ewok Adventures. Oh my god, it's so cool. As an old school, all things Star Wars fan for me, that is so awesome that we got to connect on Facebook and that you're actually on the show and we get to talk about all the stuff you've done and the stuff you're doing now and whatever makes us happy <laughs> there you go yeah i'm i'm very happy to be on your show um jason it's a pleasure to meet you and your your podcasters out there and uh, yeah we were the uh the first star wars story you know i know they talk about you know rogue one and solo a star wars story but the ewok movies were the first star wars stories they were my expanded universe Star Wars stories. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about that earlier before I called. Like, you know, it's I know they're trying to do an expanded universe now that Disney owns it. And they've they just said that stupid thing about they burned the the other expanded universe and all that. And no, it, it was it was awesome to me as a kid watching it because uh battle for endor and caravan of courage were like i had them on vhs i watched them quite frequently because it was cool to think that while we had you know the star wars movies as they were coming out that there was this whole other world you know they talk about universes and galaxies in it and right. what what your projects were gave a whole insight into the fact that there was this whole world being affected by different things. And it made it bigger. It made it better. It made the star Wars universe even bigger than what the, you know, the, the original well, I mean, three I, were. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I know Disney uh, technically threw the expand, the EU out of the expanded universe out of the, you know, moved it and they're calling it legend material, but, to me, the Ewok movies are not legend. They're more legacy. They're more like the original trilogy because exactly. let me tell you why. Because the Ewok movies were produced by Lucasfilm. Exactly. So they were actually made by George Lucas. So to say they're part of the the expanded universe and they're not canon, that's uh, that's not the way it is. They are canon in my book. They are not part of the expanded universe. I'm not saying anything bad about the expanded universe. No, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't want to get people in a in a tinsy, you know, freaking uh, out. I love a lot of the expanded universe, but what I was saying and uh, is that uh, this was produced by Lucasfilm, so this is this is legacy. This is like the original trilogy. It should not be categorized as legend material because uh, that that material is. In fact, you, some one of some of your listeners could correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe uh, the Ewok movies, um, I, I believe they're the only expanded universe, uh, well, what people call the expanded universe that was produced by Lucasfilm. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, there was that weird droids cartoon that they tried. But as far as like actual part of the official Star Wars universe, the Ewok movies would definitely be in there. And yeah, seeing that Lucasfilm logo before it started... I mean that right. that said it right there. It was all part of his universe he created, and, and just to, yeah, just before um, to add on to that thought, Jason, just before uh, not the they sold it to Disney, not just before, but about six years before they sold it to Disney, they re-released them on DVD, 
under the title Star Wars Ewok Adventures. They released both the movies. Yep. So they even put the Star Wars logo on it. <laughs> so, I mean, how was that? I, I've always wanted to... I've always wanted to know what was it like to work in in that world. I mean, I know, you know, it, it was an acting job and it wasn't real, even though some of us have a hard time reconciling that our fantasy tropes that we love aren't real. But what was it like to be on those sets? Did you film in the same place where they did the Return of the Jedi Ewok Village or was it a different place? Because I think... They, they... Yeah, they filmed that in a different location. They filmed, I believe, uh, Jedi was filmed further north, like up and around Crescent City. Yep. So near, they were near the Oregon border. The Ewok movies were filmed in um, pretty close to Skywalker Ranch. We also did a lot of the filming on Skywalker Ranch. You'll see oh, a lot wow. of that in the Ewok movies. And we also filmed on the stage um at that time uh, ilm was in san rafael so we were on the main stage and also cookie bay which are two sound stages in san rafael off of kerner avenue it's not there any longer but lucasfilm and ilm was there for a long time and um so we filmed there as the studio part of the the blue screen they weren't doing green screen back then <laughs> green screen is like the rage now but back then it was all blue screen Right, yeah, but, uh, yeah. But we filmed it there, and then we filmed it in a in a. If if any if anybody wants to go backpacking or look up locations, that we did the Ewok movie was it's a place called Roy's Redwoods. If you want to look it up on Google or whatever, any of your listeners, and then a lot of it was shot there, including the scene where Sindel and I are like running through the this uh, glade when we're run, running away, and you see the big huge indoor. Uh, 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 in the background, yes, because so, we technically were a forest moon of Endor. People get that wrong, and including me. <laughs> but you see Endor in the background, and that was uh, most of that in the the uh, Warwick family, which is Wicked, Wicked the Ewok. I can't speak today. That's um, well, most of that was uh, he was filmed on the ground, so they had a hut on the ground, so it wasn't actually in the trees. Oh wow! So how I mean, uh, War, War, Warwick Davis has been. In almost everything I've ever loved. How 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 was working with him and working with uh, Wilford Brimley and and some of the other the other names there, especially at the age you guys were filming this at, you know? Yeah, yeah. Work Work Davis and I are the same age. We're uh, both were born in uh, 1970. That's showing our age a little bit in the beginning of the year. In fact, we just had a birthday. Both Work and I work says our days are our birthdays are three days apart. Oh wow. So uh, we were like two, you know, two peas in a pod. You know, we were like running around and said we're the same age. You know, you know, I'm three days older than him, so I'm his older brother. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, in in adding to what you because I didn't finish answering your first question. That's okay. I, it it felt like I was in a dream. You know, what was it like making this movie? I knew I was making something special. I had seen Return of the Jedi the summer before in 1983, probably a dozen times in the theater. So I knew what Ewoks were. I knew what Star Wars was. And so it was like, you know, you, you would, you know, you sometimes uh, try to give a good explanation. It's like a dream you don't want to wake up from. You keep pinching yourself and thinking, am I really, is this really me? <laughs> is this real life? <laughs> so that's what it felt like uh, making those movies. 
and as an actor, it uh, coming from that uh, perspective, it was um, the hardest job I've ever done in my entire life. Even now, I've never worked on a movie that hard. Uh, I had the leading role in the first movie. I was on the set every single day. In fact, everybody uh, went home, and I shot the last day of filming. I was uh, we were doing a. Uh, uh, the where Mace gets trapped in the magic pond where he's underneath the water. Yes. So we were at, so I was the only person on the set filming those underwater scenes, which were done in a pool, someone's pool, uh, <laughs> with a big uh, piece of plexiglass that I could bang on. I had to swim underneath it and hold my breath and bang on it. So I was actually going to ask. Some of those action scenes were intense for for you guys being you know teenagers and kids. A lot of it was done by you guys then. We did. There was only one one stunt I didn't do, and that's uh, when uh, Mace, uh, you know, he he uh, when he's trying to rescue his parents. Yep. And he and he and they do that teeter totter thing with the with the Gorax's axe, uh, where they shoot him up towards the cage. I did part of that. I don't think they end up using the part that I did, but I did do a part a part portion of that where they shot me about ten feet, fifteen feet in the air. That's awesome. And, uh, so, but they don't like I said. I don't think they used it, but they ended up using the stunt guy, the stunt coordinator. His name is Mike Cassidy, and he he did this part where I actually land because they thought it was just too dangerous to have me try to land uh, being shot up twenty five feet in the air. So they didn't want to take a chance with me. So. Yeah, but <laughs> I they'll, wanted to do it. They'll, they'll put you in a pool and cover you with plexiglass, but yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah, jump. They're gonna do that. <laughs> gonna do that right and i did and and i did a lot of stunts you know they actually paid they paid a guy to actually train me uh for stunts his name is bob yerkes and bob yerkes uh back in a back this is going old school everybody so uh sorry for the younger listeners but uh there was a tv show on called circus of the stars i don't remember that so Bob Yerkes was the person who trained all the stars back then. So to do that television show. So oh wow. So I got trained by him and uh, wonderful person Mike Cassidy, who's a stunt coordinator. Wonderful person too. One of the days he actually paid me uh, hazardous pay because <laughs> I did part of that stunt. That's so I awesome. Got an extra- I got an extra 150 bucks to fly in the air, so I was like, oh, that's cool. Thanks for the hazardous pay. Heck yeah, I'd take it too. <laughs> so um, so before Ewoks, had, had you done acting before? I, yeah, I, was, uh, I had been an actor for about, uh, well, technically I had been, already been an actor. If I go back to the first job I, I did, uh, that was in 1976. I was in a Jack in a Box commercial. Oh wow! And uh, that's where I I decided I wanted to be an actor because I went to, I played pop Warner football, tackle football, and, um, and I was on the farm team. That we we had the team called the Rams, uh, Mid Valley Rams, and it's in the San Fernando Valley here, like in the Reseda area. And I don't know why I played for that. I think our family lived over in Reseda, but we moved, but we still stayed on the same team because I didn't grow up in Reseda. Uh, but anyway, so um, they, the Jack in the Box people came out and looked at, you know, the different, they chose our team, I guess, because we were like six and seven year olds. And uh, so they wanted to have us jump out of a, you know, go to the Jack in the Box after a football game, you know, and so we did. And we jumped out of the, 
big uh, cargo van and you know went in the jack in the box and then they didn't want to hire they wanted to do wanted to, they had us also do the soccer team because they didn't want to hire someone else so we did another shot playing soccer ball players even I, I never played soccer so that wasn't a but they wanted to be in, I guess f- part of the LA market they wanted you know soccer team but that was a lot of fun and I just thought it was great you know here I am I'm six years old and I think I got paid like $300 for the day and that was a lot of money well hell that's a lot of money even today to get paid $300 in a day right <laughs> especially at six seven years old and in 1976. And in right, that like would be a lot. I had a paper route in the 80s, and I mean, I made 75 to 100 bucks a week, and yeah, 1980s, yeah. early 1990s money. That was that so, was a good and chunk. I got the, and I got the Jack in the Box food, and I thought that Jack in the Box food was the greatest, and I thought it was way better than McDonald's, and uh, it was. I it was. So I, my dad, knowing that, uh, thinking that it was a fad didn't let me get started right away so that's why uh, the, it, this huge long story is going about um, so technically i didn't he made me kind of beg him to get involved get back into acting and get an agent for like three years i mean he literally didn't want to make sure i wasn't just saying it so technically it was maybe 80 1980 ish roughly when i started and um I didn't get parts right away. I got an agent. My sister uh, went to high school with one of the Pippi Longstockings from uh, back in the day. Wow. And uh, she gave uh, my sister some agent's phone numbers, and she called my, I have my sister to thank for this. Her name is Teresa. Thank you, sis. But she she called a couple agents, and uh, the first one she called said, well, bring your brother in. Let's take a look at him. And I went over there. Her name was Beverly Hecht. She had the Beverly Hecht agency, and uh, I ended up. She ended up signing me. She liked my look, but and then she started sending me out, and the feedback wasn't that good. Can you imagine a kid not having any natural ability? I, I guess I didn't have any. <laughs> so uh, she recommended me to get into acting school. It's not that I didn't have any natural ability. I just I I didn't know also how the business was run as well. So right. she put me in. She put me in an acting class with Virgil Fry. And Virgil Fry uh, was well known as being, he was friends with a lot of very famous people, but he kind of never made it. He was friends like with Marlon Brando, uh, Dennis Hopper, Jack Nicholson, and he kind of hang out with them and Paul Newman as well. In fact, he was a big part of the civil rights movement. Oh, wow. Uh, with, with Martin Luther King. He was one of the four main actors. If you like go at, if you go pick up Paul Newman's book, our Marlon Brando's book, uh, they they bring up their friendship with Virgil. Uh, but he ended up always being a character actor, but he was a great teacher. And his daughter subsequently did become pretty famous. She, in the 80s, uh, his name is Virgil Fry. His daughter's name is Soleil Moon Fry, and she was Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster, so, yeah. Yeah. So her, her his daughter became pretty famous. And uh, But, I mean, his friend, through his friendships, uh, you know, with... Uh, you know, Dennis Hopper, he helped Dennis Hopper make Easy Rider. Oh, wow. And um, and his friendships with Marlon Brando, Jack Nichols, and they kept giving him a role. So if you go watch a lot of those movies, you'll see he has scenes in those movies. His name is Virgil Fry. Great guy. Um, anyway, so he became my acting coach, and after about a year of studying, I started booking jobs. So uh, I think the first job I got was a play 
it was a, 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 like a comedy here, and uh, the director was Dina Dietrich, who was the mother uh, Mother Nature. They did the margarine commercials. Don't fool with Mother Nature. See, oh yeah, like yeah. So, um, so I started doing that, and I did that comedy, and uh, you know, there were a lot of famous people behind the scenes that were involved in it, like you know Dom DeLuise and. You know, it was a great experience uh, to have in your first job being a live, you know, stage play. Um, then I went from that and I did, um, I had a TV show that didn't get picked up. If it had, I would add a TV show by the same people who did Chips. They did a show called The Circle Family. And we just did the pilot and it had my, I wasn't the star. I was like the best friend at school, but the star was on, um, Barrett Oliver and Barrett Oliver was the boy in the never ending story. He's the boy reading the Bastion. Book. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, he, so he, I would have had a TV series with him, but it didn't get picked up. So, um, and it also had that guy that well, I can't, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Um, I'm surprised it didn't get picked up because of him, because he was a pretty famous actor. I played his father in a, in the piece. He was in the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I'm really good at names, but I can't. Uh, uh, it... Max Bear was in it. So wow. Any anyway, so that was so that was the next job, and then I also got a movie of the week, where I played Diane Cannon's nephew. Um, it was like a movie of the week, and um, I got to you know go up to Diane Cannon, who's gorgeous, and say, "You look older." You know, <laughs> so. Uh, it was just, I played her nephew. It was uh, kind of a tenacious um, um, instigator type of nephew. And uh, that was directed by uh, Edward Zwick. Who, and Edward Zwick is, went on to direct lots of movies like Glory and on and on and on, Samurai. Mm-hmm. So then I did, then I, I, I was just getting bit parts. So I, then I did uh, an episode of Webster. Remember Webster, the TV series, The Man Lewis? Yes. Oh. So I did. Uh, I was on the third episode of Webster. I uh, was the football player um, who, <laughs> who uh, Alex Karras gets in trouble because he puts Webster on the football team, and here's this big, huge guy coming up, you know. So I did that, and I just kept, you know, auditioning, auditioning, and then after about three, three and a half years, I got a call from my agent. Uh, they had they had wanted me to go on a general interview for a one-hour after-school special for CBS. And uh, it, I would not have to read, so I didn't have to go by and uh, pick up the sides or script. Um, they just wanted to meet and see if I was right for the part. So I went to that general interview, and then they liked me enough. They asked me if I could read, and I said, yeah, sure. And uh, they wanted to put me on tape because they wanted the producer to, who wasn't there. And at that time, I didn't know the producer was George Lucas. So. Oh, my goodness. So they didn't tell me that. They said, but they wanted to put it on on tape so that the producer could see me who couldn't be there. And then I said, uh, one condition. And at that time, I was, you know, taking my craft very seriously and I'd been studying a lot. And I said, let me do my, I have a prepared monologue that I do sometimes for people. Can I do the monologue for this producer too? And he said, yeah, sure. And uh, turns out later I find out that they, the producer didn't hit the record button when I was doing the the regular lines, and he he recorded my monologue. So what George Lucas saw was my monologue, which, by the way, uh, if you go to my official face, uh, not Facebook, but official YouTube channel, 
uh, you could see uh, I put together like a 10 or 12 minute version of the making of the Ewok movie, and that has my monologue on there. People want to see that monologue what got me the part so yeah definitely people should go over and check it out i definitely will as soon as we're done with this yeah so so that, that that's how i got started and then you know i worked uh like i said i worked very hard on the ewok movie it was you know non-stop work for you know six or eight weeks and then reshoots and then it was a uh, to this day it for sure is one of the hardest jobs i've ever done sure yeah and you guys did them back to back i mean you know caravan of cards was 84 battle for endor was 85 so i mean you did all that and then you basically went right back (laughs) right back in again because they're actually released one year apart from each other yeah well i mean we were signed originally to do three movies so um they didn't end up doing the 30 walk movie uh, I understand they 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 it got to the point where they I, I believe the script was even written for the Thirty Walk movie, but they never made it. So, and then I mean, and then after that, I mean, you, you know, I, I know if you look it up, it says that you retired from acting, but there's not definitely right, stuff that still right happened away. after that. Yeah, and I, that's a loosely based term. You know, I'm right. not really retired. I just yeah. don't pursue it. Um, I wouldn't mind getting back into it if uh, I had the right part. So, um, and I acted quite a few years after that. I I, I was in Less Than Zero. Right. With Robert Downey Jr. That is crazy so, awesome. That movie, that's an intense movie. It is. And it cut a lot out, thank God. There, that was way more intense. It was really? Like the book. Yeah. I mean, it um, came out. In '87, I, I I didn't get to watch it until I was in high school, way after the <laughs> way after '87. But I know when I watched it, I mean, hey, everybody's seen it at this point, probably that listens to my show. But yeah, I was that was a that was a dark, intense movie for when it was coming. It was. I mean, you got to figure I mean, all the other John Hughesy stuff was coming out, and comedies were coming out, and this, and then that dropped, and it was very stark, more realistic take on what was probably going on at the time <laughs> than four yeah, kids in detention. Yeah. yeah. A little bit real to life. I mean, but I, I ended up like, I had a lot of scenes that got cut out too, which is typical in movies. You know, a lot of stuff is, I don't understand why when they re-released it, they didn't release any deleted scenes. Cause there's a lot of scenes that were cut out. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe they don't have them or they didn't at that time. They didn't pay enough attention. Who knows if they re-release it on Blu-ray? If they could look up the footage, maybe that would be nice. If they had some deleted scenes, um, but that was that was a very intense movie, and it was great working with Robert. And uh, I played his younger brother. I got to beat him up. So I could my claim <laughs> to fame now is I got to I beat up Iron Man. I got to so. beat up Iron Man. <laughs> but but I mean then after that I mean what 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 other pursuits came after that i know me and you had talked but you know the audience doesn't know that so i'm gonna treat it like it's like it's brand well, new I mean, I, okay um, <laughs> um well i continued the acting for a bit probably i think i still acted all the way up into about the mid 90s so i'm in about another 10 movies here yeah we don't have time time to talk about all of them um but it was they, they were great experiences and i won't wouldn't trade it for the world but my passion uh, came out of high school. 
I went to the L.A. County High School for the Performing Arts here in Los Angeles, and that's like the fame school right. here. So, um, do you hear that humming? Maybe cut it out. Hello, hello. Yeah, there we go. So I went, I went to the fame, I went to the LA County High School for the Performing Arts here, which is like the Fame School in New York. And I was in the first graduating class, and I was in the theater department, but they had a music department, and uh, because it was an art school, we would have these really long lunch hours, <laughs> way too long to be honest with you, longer than what most people get, and then we'd do our arts in the afternoon. But having that extended like two hour lunch hour. I would have so much time on my hands. I would go to the music department where they had these piano rooms on the basement floor. And I would go in there and I would just start practicing. And I got to know some of the people and uh, also in the, in the music part of the school. And uh, shout out to some of my friends out there. And In fact, one of the guys used to teach me little, little things too. His name is uh, Michael Contrado. He probably didn't even remember teaching me a little bit. But he would teach me a little bit on how to play certain, you know, like Mozart or Beethoven type stuff. And, you know, the na 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 I, I can't hum. I should never sing. But anyway, I kept going in for every day for like three or four years. I would be around there in the piano rooms playing on the piano. And uh, that's where my love of that uh, grew. And at one point, I, I got my dad, I convinced him to buy me the latest keyboard synthesizer at that time, which was believe it was a Roland, some sort of Roland-like instrument. I don't know if it was, uh, can't remember the name of it anyway. So um, I got my dad to buy me that, or it was a Korg. Anyway, so that's where that grew, and then I, I, I started doing Then while I was still at that school, you know, they asked me to do some sound effects for this monster. And instead of just doing sound effects of the monster and during this play, I wrote this entire piece and song called The Shattering. Oh wow! So I wrote this whole. So it starts off with the monster growling, and then it goes into the song. So I ended up, and they were shocked. It's like, wow, we just asked you to go make some sounds, and you. So they they ended up making incorporating my song in the play. So that's really and, cool. Yeah. So and recently I redid on my latest album, Brand New Day, uh, which is out. Um, that's what we're getting to now, talking about my musical career. Yeah. I re I redid that song, so you could if you look it up, it's called The Shattering, and it's kind of like this heavy metal rock type song. I think uh, your listeners will enjoy it. So you could listen to it on YouTube if you type in The Shattering. See, I was um, going to ask if that was available. That's yeah, awesome. No, it is. Yeah, it's all of all my stuff is all my tracks are available on iTunes. It's all available on Apple Music Streaming, Spotify, our YouTube. I'm really out there. So, um, so I just kept playing for years and years and years, and and uh, I was really uh, influenced by uh, you know '80s uh, electronic music by a group called Tangerine Dream. Some yep. of your listeners might know who they are. They did a lot of movie soundtracks. So I was influenced by them and Jean-Michel Jarre and, of course, Van Gelis. It's pretty well known. So I was influenced by all those, and I and I kept telling this friend of mine, let's start a band like Tangerine Dream. We'll call it, you know, Dreamscape or something like that. We'll call it something similar. Yeah. And I kept trying to get him to do this for, like, a decade. And what happened was he ended up 
suddenly passing away. Not to bring mm-hmm. it, I'm a really up person. I'm not trying to bring this podcast no, yeah. down. But he ended up dying suddenly. And then when he did that, I said, you know what? I waited long enough. It's time for the world to start hearing my music. So right. within a year of his passing, I released my first album, which is called Tangier Dream. Uh, no, no pun or play on the word t- tangerine dream, but right. Um, and uh, that name, actually, believe it or not, I didn't come up with it to try it as the marketing ploy. I came up with it because I was having these dream, very vivid dreams about. Uh, I was in Morocco in Tangier, and it's spelled like the city Tangier, so that's what. It's yeah, about. I noticed not, that. Yeah, yeah, it's not really tangerine dream. It's so it's it's Tangier. And in my dreams, uh, the, this uh, in Tangiers was like this very modern city, and it was very, very spiritual to me. It was like the whole world was praying. You know, it was like uh, coming together of the entire world, and um, that's where that came from in the name of the album. And then, uh, as an ode to uh, you know Star Wars, I wrote my first Star Wars theme song, which is on Tangier Dream. It's a song called "Return to Endor." which is actually on the, on that album as well. And Return, Return to Endor is uh, it's a song that uh, came to me as well. It's um, basically, if you can envision the Ewoks having this ceremony, um, Low Gray is having this spiritual ceremony, Low Gray the Ewok, yep. who's the mystic, uh, and, and he's summoning dead spirits back toward the Endor moon, like a celebration thing. And uh, it's loosely based on a scene that was kind of cut out of the Caravan of Courage and uh, where we were watching an Ewok ceremony, but it isn't as well. Uh, to me, this has uh, a little bit of my character Mace in it, but I think people would like that song. So make sure you guys listen to it. It's called Return to Endor. Return to Endor. Yeah, and it's uh, it's on the album uh, Tangier Dream. And, and I've been very fortunate in my music career because that was my first album and it went to number 38 in the UK on the electronic charts. Wow. And even here in America, I think it was in the top 140 or something like 138 in America. So I was very fortunate. It did pretty well. Um, and because of that, I continued my career and I did a second album called Universal Delight. And, uh, from there, I have the newer album, which came out a couple of years ago, called Brand New Day. And Brand New Day was uh, up for a Grammy consideration for Best New Age Album. So I've been very fortunate. That is really cool, dude. That's really so, cool. You know, c- coming from somebody who had the same aspirations but never pursued any of them. Um, I got into, you know... Uh, live acting in plays when I was maybe six or seven uh-huh. and um, through a Methodist church that my mom went to. Um, and right. even after she stopped going there, um, I still did plays with them all the way up through middle school. And then when I got to high school um, in time, ta- I'm, I'm in Georgia now, but I grew up in Massachusetts and okay. um, taught in Massachusetts their drama club when it was under Mr. Almeida, who's now retired and living a wonderful life in Florida. Um, we had an entire building uh, for the, it wasn't a stage where they had to fight for budget. Um, it was right. a, it was a oversized auditorium. It had a sound booth that had its own separate doors, stairs thing you had to go to that overlooked the whole thing. The stage was 
large. It was a dedicated stage. It had wings um, for props from shows. I mean, he he did this. His entire career was doing this until he retired. So wow. by the time I came around in the 90s, I mean, he, this was... This was one of the highlights of Massachusetts theater. Um, his plays would sell out and not just with right. students. Like they would sell out. Um, I remember when they did Peter Pan and they actually had a flight crew come in from LA right. and fly, actually professionally fly the characters around the auditorium. Wow. Um, yeah. They, they rented a, a laser light and you're talking in the mid nineties. So this wasn't like, easy technology to get a hold of they had an actual laser lighted tinkerbell that was fully animated and yeah so like when we when we did stuff it was it was good and in my high school years um i decided that that not just punk rock music but punk rock lifestyle was a good idea and it landed me in juvie a couple times so my ability Uh (laughs) my ability to be in the drama club was severely limited after sophomore year but I always, I mean, I always was in them when I could be and, and either had multiple parts or would always get a lead. And then I went into the army right after high school. And okay. um, after that, I, I had punk and hardcore bands. And even in high school, I was in punk and hardcore bands and stuff. And cool. um, I had a band here and a lot of events in my life led me to... um my wife Darby grew up in church and I never really had it serious in my life. So through her, it became very serious to me. Um, okay. And so I was actually in a Christian hardcore band here in Atlanta and we actually played a large majority of all the clubs here. Um, we were together for a while, wrote a concept album, um, like high art concept album, and then did a bunch of stuff that would have just been an album full of singles. So, but it's all stuff that I, um, I kind of let go. I, I've never really pursued any of it. And I guess that's the, the podcast starting was, was a vicarious connection to people who actually did see things through, you know, and, and got to do really sure. cool, really cool projects. So I've had a blast doing this for a couple of years, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the creativity well, I mean, and the freedom. That's great. That's, I don't know if you, how much research you've done, but uh, I have a Christian podcast. So um, if you're still doing that music, let me know because we do interview bands. So I can shoot you some stuff. We had a song called Kill. My, my wife said the song that we should have pushed um, is called Killing Spree. And it's it's from the perspective of um, all the people in your life that, you know, like somebody from work or a friend that you right. don't really worry about, or, you know, each verse is a different person. Like the first verse is about a stranger and not when, when we don't share a testimony with somebody. The second verse is about a woman that, that you work with and you go out and have smoke breaks with, you know, and, and you guys talk and, and all you talk about is superficial stuff and you don't know what's really going on in their life. And the third verse is about a friend who said he's really having a hard time and you just kind of, you know, you just kind of, well, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. And, and, you know, the, the, there's a part in there where, you know, it said, and I said, I'll see you on Sunday, but I was too late because he killed himself on Friday, wow. you know, where you're kind of like, you know, well, I'll see you Sunday and, you know, just pray yourself through it and you'll be fine. It, it's about, it's about the, the, the superficiality of knowing 
you know, real salvation and, and, and what can save people and choosing to just be like everyone else just to get through your day. And right. and that's why it's called killing spree. Cause y- you don't know whose eternities you're not choosing to affect. And, and, and I don't mean in like a preachy way, a fire and brimstone way, no, but, no, no. but you know, share, sharing the peace and, and maybe the, the understanding and maybe even the saving power of that and keeping it to yourself i mean the 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 breakdown where i get really loud is you know the the words are you know is there forgiveness for letting his children die and are we responsible for all the dead we let pass by and if i hide my light will he take it away from me and give it to someone who might actually let it shine wow you know so yeah so i mean i got into that because i mean i had a really hard hard road and then i mean i i came to it you know, alone in a bedroom in Florida. I had, after the army, I had traveled the country doing Renaissance festivals with a cousin and it was just to run away from Massachusetts. It was just to run away. And there was no happiness in any of it. And when I met Darby, um, I bought a, I bought a cell phone before cell phones were that big. The Spider-Man movie had come out and they had a prepaid phone that had Spider-Man on it. So I bought it and I had to call, Singular Wireless, because Singular Wireless was still around, and she was a. My, we've been met. We just celebrated fourteen years, uh, February eighteenth. We've been together almost twenty, and she was an anonymous representative who answered the phone. Wow. In a call center, and and I there was something about her, and I asked, "Well, can I have your actual number?" And, and she said it was the craziest thing. She said any other given day, I would have been like, no, you're crazy. I don't know you, but she did. So when we first started talking, it was, it was me at one of the lowest points in my life. Cause I'd always wanted to be in Florida. I've always wanted to be in California or Florida as a kid. I was always like, well, everything you see from Florida and California is the movies and it's happy and it's this. And I got to Florida finally after many, many years and trials and pain and stuff that I did to myself, you know, and it didn't change anything. And that was such a hopelessly crushing realization. And I think she kind of knew that. So she said, yeah. And I mean, the first couple months we talked, it, it was nothing romantic. It was, she had just got, she had just got back into being in church. She had stepped away from the church and her life had gotten really crazy. And she had just rededicated her life. And so she was telling me all these things when she went on Wednesdays and Sundays, all these things. And none of it really meant anything to me, but I could hear how much happier she was than me. So I started asking questions of my own. And then I asked her, well, how do you do the thing where you become what you are? And, you know, Uh she was like, well, most people think it's this grand thing. She said, I'm going to give you the simple five sentences to say, and you don't even have to say them to me. You know, so she's like, just say these things. And I was sitting, you know, I wasn't talking to her at that point. I was sitting alone in in a, in a beautiful bedroom. I mean, I was sharing a house with a friend of mine. We had this gorgeous house on Bayshore Boulevard in Tampa, Florida. We had good jobs. We had, it was just us two basically single guys splitting the rent on a house with good jobs. So we had all the extra money we needed. We, we, I mean, we, you know, I should have been the super happy 20 year old single guy living on the beach, girls in bikinis everywhere, palm trees and sunshine. 
we had a whole citrus orchard in our yard and I never went out there and even picked up a grapefruit off there. Like I was so miserable. Mm. I mean, the Gulf of Mexico, you could see it from my bedroom window. You know, we, we were in old Tampa Bay area and, and I was still miserable, just completely broken and miserable. You know, I've been watching the the sunset on the water and I could have cared less. So I was, I gave it a try and, and it really, you know, it's not instant. There's still consequences from everything you've done. There's still the old hurts and stuff, but it started the road. And now, you know, 20 years later, you know, we've got two awesome daughters and my life is everything that a judge in a courtroom when I was 16 said it wouldn't be. I was told at 16 that by 20 years old, I'd either be dead or in jail for life with what I was doing. And that's, uh, that's the bad thing about the system. It's like, right. they're not trying to show you a way to better yourself. You got to kind of find it on your own, which is not good, but, but you know, we all need the love of a woman and, uh, w- the woman that God brings you. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. And that's awesome. It is. And I didn't mean to go on such a tangent. It's just, I usually. No, I'm yeah. really happy you shared that with me. Uh, you know, cause we all need to be uplifted and uplift each other. And, and that's a beautiful story, you know, that you went from that point in your life. And even at one point you had money and you had that stuff in your, in your face and you're still not happy. And you're right. You know, you're not happy until you make that change, you know, moving to Florida, you know, I had a, I have an older brother that, you know, would hate, used to go on and on about how he hated California. And it's uh, like California done something him wrong. And yet everywhere he went, <laughs> the problems followed him. And right. I used to tell him, you know, geography is not going to cure your problems. You know, you got to cure your own problems. You got to go to God and find out what your issues are and try to resolve them. And uh, that's Jason. I'm, thank you for sharing your testimony with me. That It's important that you did. And it doesn't matter that you went on a tangent. That's something that everybody and all your listeners could relate to. And, and uh, you know, my story is very is, – isn't similar to yours. Uh, it is and it is, and everybody's stories are similar to, at one point. Yeah, that's And I'm true. contradicting myself. But, you know, I had I led a life where I wasn't too proud of, you know, the, the stuff I was doing and being a star and, and you know – not trying to compare myself to Trump, but you know, I didn't do things like he did. That's for sure. Uh, because I don't believe in any of that stuff, you know, period. You don't ever, ever touch a girl and a girl says, no, it's no period. Exactly. Um, so I want to put that out there. That doesn't, and no man should ever hit a woman either. So I don't know if that stuff went on in his life, but again, not trying to compare myself to him, to Trump, to you, to anybody, but you know, at one point in my life, um, I, I had I gave myself up to God, and uh, I became baptized, and I made a promise to God that I was never gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna sleep around with women, and wasn't gonna do all this stuff. But I knew that, you know, like Paul says in the Bible, that you know, I needed to get married as quick as I could, though. <laughs> yeah, honestly, so. yeah. Which I think is sad that today it's it's sold to to young men and young women to to get out there and experience as much. And if you get married, hey. And if not, hey. 
but you only get one life, so live it to the da da da. You know, and yeah. and, and we were sold it as kids, but yeah, I mean, you know, we were sold it when we were teenagers, seventies, eighties, nineties, or whatever. And but now it, it's uh, with technology, it's so accessible and and things that that they can get into so fast and how streamlined it is. It's it's really my sad. My sister's kids, my sister's kids. Uh, not trying to get personal on your show, but no. I think every single one of them had kids and dis- before they got married and decided they wanted to live together and have kids and be in a relationship for a long time before they got married. And it's like, you know, that's that's not going to make you not be divorced. You know, if you, you got to right. get married with the right people and you got to live your life right by Christ, period. You know, otherwise your your union's not going to be blessed. So, Agreed. Um, and see, and I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I mean, I my story with my wife is very old fashioned. It was an arranged marriage, which is really weird. Like coming from somebody myself who at one point was a, a fairly well known person for a little bit. Um, I didn't have to. I had tons of girlfriends. I had girls that still wanted to marry me, and uh, some of them even moved out of state when they found out I was getting married. But I just felt that that was my calling to, to get married to my wife, and uh, we did it right. And my wife, uh, you know, was a virgin, and um, she it was a very good girl. She lived in the countryside in Vietnam. And uh, even when I went to go marry her, I had friends with me to make sure we were never alone. So we did it right by Christ, and uh, we got married this August to be 17 years ago. So that's amazing. So that's in, in every year I'm more in love with this woman. Um, it's like you are with your wife, you yep. know, you do, you do it right by God. It, you know, that's not to say that there's not going to be ups and downs in your marriage. There is. Um, but if you grow together, you know, in Christ, you're going to have ups and downs, but you're going to be stronger than most couples. So most definitely. And then that's the thing. I mean, I was until I met Darby at almost 21 years old, I, I didn't have any of that in my life. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, I had punk and hardcore bands and I did this. So, I mean, I was in Providence and Boston and places where if I had been a patron, they had turned me away by age. But because I was a musician, all doors were open. Right. And I mean, all doors were open, you know, there, <laughs> there was, there, there's, there, there's stories in there that, that make me cringe now that was perfectly normal to me then. And I can say that people think, and, and I, and I, and I teach this cause a couple of years ago I was teaching the, uh, the chapel class at the school my kids go to, which is attached to our church. Um, right. I used to teach the chapel class. I did all ages and then some of my stuff. They were like, well, how about you just teach the high school kids because you can get really down with them. And you did stuff that they haven't even thought of. Not to talk about it, but you'll be able to handle anything that that happens with them, you know. So, you know, I used to teach them, you know, TV and and your friends who don't believe in and everything else said they're going to look like they're having a much better time than you. They're going to look a lot freer than you. I said, but I can tell you from the heights of indulgence to the depths of loneliness mm. is a very, very, very quick 
event. And I said, you know, I told him, I said, I've been here, there and everywhere. And I've done all these things, you know, and I didn't go into detail, but I've done all these things and I've had all these experiences. And I'll tell you, I didn't, I was never happy and I didn't know peace until it was disciplined and Christ centered. And, you know, people can, people can roll their eyes or they can do whatever, but there is a peace that comes with living. The appeal of sin is the appearance of freedom and the appearance of freedom hides the shackles that each sin puts on you spiritually. So there are people who think, well, I don't want to believe in that. And and that's fine. I, you know, there's, there's also a thing where you can't force it on somebody. Um, Darby's grandfather started the church that, that they have now it's been going for over 30 years. And, um, he said, he said, if, if the gospel and Christ and salvation is an apple, you can either hold it up and show them how beautiful it is, but you're never going to get anybody to listen to you if you're throwing it at them. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? That they're going to be too busy yeah. ducking the apple you threw at them to hear why the apple should be eaten. And right. so, and that's the way I approach the kids is, you know, there, there's, yeah, it looks super cool and movies make it look super fun, but they never, the real ones, <clears throat> the movies aimed at kids never show the consequences. You know, right. they, you, you, you don't have a teenage version of leaving Las Vegas, which shows the absolute ravages, you, you know, and that's what, you know, it's speaking of less than zero, you know, most kids get the John Hughes breakfast club, pretty in pink, 16 candles. Right. right. And they think, right. oh, that's fine. They don't put a lot of less than zeros out there for that age group, but they entice them with all the behaviors of right. less than zero, but they never show the consequences, you know, you, you, you never see in those movies. Rarely do you see the kid OD and die in the backseat of the car while you're driving it. You know what I mean? You you never see the consequences that lead you to somebody, not just owning you spiritually, but owning your body. You know what I mean? Like those consequences are never shown. And having gone through a lot of those other than having my body owned by somebody else, but you know, it's it's quite sobering to have at 15, 16 years old, have uh, a door shut behind you and then lock and you don't ever get the key to it for however long that sense. I mean, I got locked up five times, dude. Wow. Uh, one time was for nine months straight. I turned, I my sweet 16 was in the Brockton YMCA Juvenile Detention Center in Brockton, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. You know, I mean, I... I now, in your family, Jason, though, are you, uh, do you have other siblings? I do. I have two younger brothers. Um, so, are you, so you're the oldest? I am the oldest. Okay. And what's and, funny is, is the youngest is now a cop in the hometown we grew up in. Yeah, I was just going to say, what's interesting about this, and I, maybe somebody should do a study on it someday. Are you there? Yeah, I'm Did here. I lose you? Yeah. Somehow I lost uh, the headphone here. Oh, it's, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, somebody should do a study on it someday. Um, I'm the youngest, and I had an older brother. And um, the younger brothers learn from the older brother's mistakes. Right. Well, of and, course, yeah. And um, so when you're talking about what you've been through, I understand because I had an older brother that, you know, 
spent the first 20 years of his life trying to figure it out and going back and forth to jail too. So for every single thing. And like I mentioned earlier, he had to leave California because it's only California is doing it, but he went to jail in every state he went to after that. So, yeah, I mean, so, that was it. I mean, I only got lucked up as a teenager, but my problems followed me. Like I said, right. the, the Renaissance Festival thing, I went coast to coast, you know, traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, ran. I, I mean, I, I laugh when I tell people I ran away with the circus after the army. Um, <laughs> you know, well, I'm glad you learned it at a younger age instead of wasting so much time like my brother did. That's for sure. What what cured him was going to jail in Arizona. And that may, after having that experience, he never went back because the, the, the system there is no, no joke there. It's like being on the chain gang. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess as long as the lessons learn, but you know, so it took took him a long time and then he ended up getting, I think he got hepatitis C too. The last time he was there. That's not good. So, yeah. But anyway, we, we could go on and on and on about <laughs> but back, back yeah back 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 to the music and stuff you you recently um you you were putting together you you guys did a, a video right a star wars yeah I, yeah I have a new single out that's uh it's based on star wars um it's a it's a dance track uh what they call the edm electronic dance music yeah i love that stuff and yeah and i do the rap uh, on the track so uh, i'm doing the rapping on the verses and then acm um is doing the singing on the choruses but the song is called uh, dare to dream in a galaxy far far away and to me it's what star wars is all about it's about following your dreams and a lot about what we talked about today you know it's, you gotta go out there and dare to dream and you know otherwise no if you don't go do it <laughs> and don't take that chance your dreams won't happen for you. So, and right. to me, Star Wars is a lot about, you know, it's a lot about, it's a, it's a lot about hope and other things and stuff like that, but it's about people taking chances. And, um, it's, uh, we just finished, uh, you mentioned it, but yeah, we just, uh, finished shooting the music video. So that's going to be coming out sometime around celebration, which is coming up. And so I'm going to try to get it out that week of celebration or nice. just before. So people could be dancing, in Chicago at Celebration, so that'd be cool. That's really awesome. But uh, y- all your listeners, that's out. Uh, Dare to Dream in the Galaxy Far, Far Away. You could listen to it on YouTube, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. It's out right now if people want to dance to it. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up on the show, and you could probably put links to to this, is we're inviting everybody in the world to learn how to do the Dare to Dream dance. Nice. A, we had a we had a choreographer do this really simple dance. Even kids could do it. Uh, so we encourage uh, you know people that uh, go out and do costuming. You know any five hundred first uh, people out there, or anybody that's dressed up like any Star Wars character, or any character for that matter. If they want to go ahead and dress up and go uh, click on the link. To, uh, there's a short video of how to do the dance, and then send in your your versions of you doing the dance and. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll pick you and you'll be, because the last part of the video, we're going to show people from around the world doing the dance. That's awesome. 
That's really let's get cool. Everybody in, let's get everybody involved, you know, throughout the world. And we already already know some people in South America and Europe that are sending in stuff in Japan and Australia. So in North Carolina, I haven't heard. Maybe maybe someone there in Georgia might send something. <laughs> you never know. But uh, I'm gonna teach it to my daughter. My youngest can dance her butt off. Um, yeah, have her do it and send it. I in, will have sure. her do it. She that girl can dance. I don't know where she gets it from because I have the rhythm of a tree stump. But <laughs> but she the girl can pick up on anything and just nail it. So I'll definitely have her I'm, do it. I'm sure I'm sure she will be able to pick up on it. So yeah, we're encouraging you know everybody to get involved. So. But yeah, and uh, so yeah, please leave those links for everybody to send in their, their videos. And we're trying to get everybody to send their videos in by uh, no later than March 15th. So Okay, definitely. So, I mean, something like that. I mean, that, that, that there's more importance to that, you know, that, uh, a uniting, like especially trying to get, show the whole world united, even, you know, behind something like Star Wars, which everybody can get behind. Sure. Is God, I mean, if it just gets them to forget how much every force seems to be attempting to divide us, that's that, true. To yeah. see something yeah. bringing everybody together and just dropping all that stupid pretense that's out there now, it it's so needed. Like that's such a it great is. idea. There's so much division in this in this world, and especially this country at this time. And we're, uh, you know, ACM and I, who wrote the track, um, I wrote the music and uh, came up with the idea of the song. He wrote the lyrics, um, um, other than the name of the song. Uh, That concept was from me and the music, but um, we're going to donate, you know, proceeds to charity. So that's amazing. If this this goes viral, it's going to go to a good cause. We've already picked two charities, the Starlight Children's Foundation and also Make-A-Wish. So we might choose it depending on how viral it goes. You know, if there's a lot of money because it just blows up, then we'll pick a couple other charities as well, different countries, and we'll go from there. We'll see what happens with it. But it's going to a good cause. So that's really awesome. That's really awesome. I will definitely pump this out and do whatever I can to help with that too. That that's great. So. I don't know. I, uh, my keyboard's hooked up, so maybe we should do do something. Yeah. For the heck of it. Let's just uh, try something. Okay, here we go. Thank you. 
shares a little bit of something. So that's awesome, yeah, dude. Nice. Yeah, that was me playing live. So uh, I don't have a name of that song yet. So maybe someone could come up with a name for that for the song and send it in. So well, you heard it here first, Happy Haven listeners. There you go. That's, I think that's my first exclusive song. That's awesome. I've been doing this for almost two years. There you go. Well, there you go. Uh, that's that's where my love is right now. You know, music and uh, spreading love and happiness. And we talked a little bit about Jesus Christ, and that just made my day. I got to tell you, Jason, because that's Me too. where my that's where my heart is. And I didn't mention it much, but I have I do have a podcast. It's called uh, Righteous Riffs. So, um, we'd like to hopefully listen to some of your music and if some of you, your, you or your band members want to come on and talk about your journey. We did, uh, interview, uh, a few people already. If you check out uh, the podcast, uh, we uh, interviewed, uh, one of the ladies who was on the voice recently. Oh, wow. Uh, we interviewed her. So hold on a second. You might have to cut that out again. Sorry about that a little, uh. But we yeah we did uh, we did uh, interview uh, the lady who was uh, on the the voice uh, not last season but the season before, um, so she was t- talking about Christ and everything else. Um, That's awesome. And also the uh, guy who was uh, he was in the group uh, Journey. Um, we interviewed him as well. So Jonathan Kane, so he wow. was on our show. So and it was great having a conversation. He was talking a lot about, you know, writing music with Steve Perry and that experience. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but Jonathan Kane is a born again Christian now too because of his wife. So there you go. There you go. Kind of like me. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like me. Um. So you know. Anyway, and in Righteous Riffs is a is a show that I do with Stephen Lee Adams who came up with the name Righteous Riffs, and he's in a, been in a bunch of, uh, you know, punk and heavy metal bands. Uh, he's in a group uh, that uh, called Thorns Inside. I don't know if you heard of them, but um, he's also just started a new band called uh, Gotham City Saints, so which is uh, more of a, this one's more of a Christian band, so. Gotham but City started, Saints. Yeah, I just started it, so they don't. They're working on the first album right now. So is that a Batman reference? <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit of that. That and makes course, me super yeah. happy. <laughs> hey, look, man, I'm 37 years old, and my wife yeah. went to Walmart yesterday and came back with four Star Wars figures for me and the kid because I get down on the floor and play. I mean, she's 12. And right. we made our own Star Wars movies the other night at the dining room table with a lunchbox full of action figures. But she right. came home with me with a giant Batman that has like 30 phrases. And you would have thought that like I'd won the lottery because she came home with a interchangeable <laughs> armored Batman for me at my age. <laughs> hey, we're all kids. But yeah, if anybody wants to check out that podcast too, it's at righteousriffs.net. So, definitely you know, righteous like and then riffs r-i-f-f-s dot net so yeah we did jonathan kane and uh had quite a few people on there uh we also had richard thomas on there which is uh you you might know him as uh ricky licks he was a mate uh, he was he's the guitar player for you know rev theory yep and so he was on the show he's great 
and uh, and it's kind of a worldwide show. I interviewed a, we interviewed a guy named Exodus, and he's a very famous Christian singer out in Uganda. So he's on the show. And then the, the the person I mentioned earlier who was on The Voice, her name is Brooke Simpson. So, well, I just subscribed to it on iTunes. Great. So we're working on that. We're going to start a whole network of uh, Christian type of programming. Um, I'm about ready to start um, my own. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into the preaching a little bit. I didn't ever thought I would I'd be doing that, but. You know, God spoke to me recently and said he wants me to go in that direction. So I, I have a podcast that's going to be starting up in the next month. It's called A Righteous Minute. So, um, and it's basically going to be, you know, your day. Well, it's not going to be daily right now. Uh, if it becomes popular, I might do it daily. But I'm going to, you know, do a podcast probably two or three days a week where people could, you know, take two or three minutes and hear a little bit of the word. So. That's awesome. That's really cool. So yeah, the, definitely. There's a reason there, and what's what's weird, Jason, is we didn't know this about each other, and here we are talking about it on this podcast, right? And that's how God works, right? I mean, I was just like Star Wars, like, and then yeah, and then this came. I even texted my wife when we were talking. I was like, "Wait till you hear this later. This just got really awesome because she's downstairs." Yeah. And I'm like texting her like, "Holy cow! This just got really cool." It did. It did. And I told you growing up that my friend, one of my best friends' name was Jason. Yeah. So, I didn't tell you what Jason it was, did I? No. Yeah. He's a famous actor. Take a guess. The famous Jason. Famous actor named Jason. Lee. Kid it's a kid actor. Priestley? Uh, uh, I'll give you, yeah, no, you're uh, um, a little bit a little bit older than that guy. He was famous in the '90s on a sitcom, on a, uh, a show on ABC. It was a a sitcom. He played the older brother. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. It's okay. It's okay. He was on the show called The Wonder Years. The, the oh my god yeah he was in um peewee's big adventure he yes, was in he was. one of these yeah you were that friends with him adventure. yeah we were in the same that acting class i was talking about we were in the acting class together oh wow yeah jason hervey yeah i i was him when i was i was the older brother who was that kid <laughs> i always identified with him he'd do something on the wonder years and i'd be like yeah i'm gonna do that too <laughs> That's What's really cool. He was the younger brother, and I was like the older brother who kind of beat him up. So it was like the reverse to us. So <laughs> I don't know what his – he may not have a great memories. Uh, well, we had some great memories. But anyway, um, yeah, growing up, we were in the same acting class. I remember this one girl liked me, and he liked the girl, but the girl didn't like him, and he liked she liked me. <laughs> That's another whole story. And I said, it's cool, dude, You you know. I won't even, I know she likes me and she doesn't like you, but go for it. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. So. But so, so where can people, where, where, where can people find all this stuff we've talked about? We'll just put it all in one succinct, you know, how to find the, you and your stuff. The easiest way, rather than give out all the mumbo jumbo, because you could get to all that anyway, is just to go to my official website, which is Eric Walker Music. 
com. And from there, from there, you could go find my Facebook, my YouTube. There, there's social media links on there. I know everybody likes to throw all these links out there. You know, just one. Go to the website, right? <laughs> and uh, you'll find my. If you want to get on my, you found me on a different uh, um, Facebook, but my official fan Facebook is on my website. So okay, it's a different one. It's a fan page. Um, so, but yeah, connect with me there. I do still answer. Don't worry, guys. You don't need to go to my private one, but I still answer on all of them. So, okay. And for anybody listening who gets the dancing bug, yes, get the video, learn the dance, and have the submissions by you said March 15th. March 15th, yes. And, um, gives them like two weeks. Let, yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me put it. I'm going to go ahead to later today and put a link on my, because I don't think on my official website there's a link to do that. Um, so let me go, and I'm going to share links with you that you could share too. Because okay. there's a guy who who who's directing it. His name is Richard Woloski, and Richard has a podcast out called uh, Skywalking Through Neverland. I don't know if you heard of the podcast, but it's a it's a Star Wars Disney podcast, and he's directing the video. And the submissions need to go to him. So okay. Let me get. I'll send when we get off. Uh, we get off this. I'll send links to Jason, everybody, so that he could share it with you. And I'll try to get on my official website and put a link there too, just in case you want to just jump to one place. Okay, that works for me. Amen. Um, yeah, let's do. Uh, see, I all right. That was a good stopping point. Let's do an official goodbye, and then I'll hit stop on the recording, and then me and you can actually talk. Okay. Right after. So, one. Sounds good. Two, three. Okay, so you guys, uh, really cool episode. I know it went in some unexpected directions, um, but it always does, and that's why I've never written interview questions. But um, you got all the links and all the information, and if you guys do feel like dancing it up on camera, uh, we'll definitely, both of us, be able to tell you where to put that uh, very soon, and uh, maybe people can see you uh, shake your tail feather for Star Wars uh, on a video. Um, like always, I just want to thank you so much for your openness and candidness today, dude. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And and the great, great, great podcast. And Jason, you just pull it. You just suck it out of all of us. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but everybody, the, it was a pleasure being here on Happy Haven Podcast. And um, go out and be happy. Most all. definitely. <laughs>